The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. This week is the 37th anniversary of my arriving in the Canal Valley. I came here a week before Thanksgiving, November of 1983. I came here as a youngster to head up a small Chabad operation. So I want to share with you, in honor of this anniversary, a story of that first year. And that's a story that I think paved the way for me. It opened my eyes. It was this eye-opening experience. I, I told this same story when I was asked to deliver the keynote address at the Chabad convention in 2008 before 5,000 people. And Joseph Telushkin was in the audience at the time, and he called me right after, and he asked permission if he can publish the story in his book, which he has. So it's a story that has gotten around the world. So it was my first Rosh Hashanah out here, September then 1984. I came out in November 83, so this is September after. And after services on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, I explained to the congregation the custom of Tashlich. But on Rosh Hashanah, we walked to a body of water and we symbolically cast away our sins. And I asked if anyone would like to join me after services, we'll walk to the lake. Was we were in the city of Westlake. We were going to walk to the Westlake Lake and perform the tradition of Tashlach. For me, it would be the first time in the Canal Valley doing this mitzvah. And I asked if anyone wanted to join. And there was a short group of takers that waited till after services. And together we make our way to the lake. The Chabad house then was close to where it is today in Westlake. It was 741 Lakefield Road, suite number E, for those of you watching that were here in those early days. And as we're making our way from Lakefield Road onto Hampshire, making our way to the lake, I still remember who it was. His name was Gary Katzman. Gary Katzman says to me that he knows a shortcut how to get to the lake if we cut through a condominium complex, go through the parking lot, we just follow him, we'll get to the lake five minutes earlier. Now, I'm new to the area. Gary Katzman was here for years before me. Sure, Gary, lead the way. So he's going through this parking lot of a condominium complex somewhere near Westlake Boulevard and Nagura Road. And as we're going through this parking lot, I see an elderly woman. She's walking with a walker. As we get closer, she looks up and she spots us, the small group of Jews. And she starts crying out, Lashana Tova, Lashana Tova. And there's tears in her eyes. So I wish her a Shana Tova, a Gajantif. And she begins to explain her tears. She told me that she had surgery a few weeks earlier on her leg. And this was the first Rosh Hashanah in her life that she was not in a synagogue or temple. And that she had been crying all day that she couldn't be in the shul for Rosh Hashanah. She never missed a Rosh Hashanah. In fact, she said her stroll in the parking lot that time when we met was the first time since the surgery that she even got out of bed and took a few steps outside using the help of this walker. And who does she bump into? This walking synagogue. So, of course, it was something that was warm for her that she was seeing fellow Jews, but she began to cry again because it reminded her today is Rosh Hashanah, and I didn't participate, and I wasn't there. And that's why she's crying. I'm a rookie rabbi. I'm 20 years old. So, what do you do? You wish her a refuah shalema. God willing, next year you should be well enough to be able to go to the synagogue. I gave her blessings. Everyone gave her blessings. And we continued on our way following Gary Katzman to the lake. I thought I did good, right? I did the right job. I followed the manual. 
An elderly woman is crying, you try to find words to comfort her. Page 27 of the manual. I'm standing there at the lake now. We get to the lake. And we're doing the tradition of Tashlich. We're talking to God about symbolically casting away our sins. And suddenly this heaviness overcame me. I realized what had happened and how miserably I failed. This is what I imagined. There was a woman that was crying out to God Almighty. Ribona Shalola, master of the world, I didn't hear the show for today. I didn't go to the synagogue, and it's the first time in my life that I was not inside a synagogue on Rosh Hashanah, and I'm very sad, and I feel terrible about it. God Almighty, who has a lot going on in Rosh Hashanah, hears this woman crying, and he tells all the angels, close the sound system for a while. Close it all down. I need to hear what she's saying. He focuses attention on this one woman. And he hears how her heart is broken because she couldn't come to a synagogue and crown God as her king for this year. So God answers to her soul. And God says to her soul, I have given you now the strength to get out of bed. This is the first time in weeks that you're able to get out of bed. I'm giving you that strength. Lift yourself up. Take that walker. You just have to take a few steps out the door. And God says, I will arrange at that very same time that you take a few steps out your door, that an emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe will walk by that parking lot at that precise time, because he's going to be on his way to Tashlich, to this body of water. And even if he starts going a different way, I will put the thought in Gary Katzman's head to nudge him and to say, no, follow me. I have a different way to go. Come with me through this path, through a condominium parking lot. I will set it up for you. All you need to do is get out of bed, take a few steps. And certainly, certainly, if that rabbi is an emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he would know that you go nowhere on Rosh Hashanah without carrying a shofar with you, just in case you encounter a Jew who didn't hear shofar that day. Everything was so perfectly arranged and orchestrated by the Almighty, except one ingredient. The rookie rabbi did not take a chauffeur with him. I didn't have a chauffeur with me. And I'm standing there at this body of water, and suddenly this heaviness comes over me. I failed. I failed. This was set up by God for me to encounter this woman who was crying because she couldn't hear chauffeur that day. And there I am. My first Rosh Hashanah as a rabbi, and I failed. I failed the test. So I figure I'm going to go the same route home. Gary, make sure you take me the same way you came. Maybe she's still out there. I will find out who she is, what her name is, what her apartment address is, and I'll run to my office, get a chauffeur, come back and blow chauffeur with her. But we went back and she wasn't there. I didn't know her name. I didn't know which condo she came out of. I couldn't sleep that night thinking how I failed the Lubavitcher Rebbe I failed this woman, and I failed God. Second day of Rosh Hashanah. I had a prepared sermon, but I didn't say it. I recounted this episode to this new congregation of mine, and I said, I'm facing a very heavy difficulty that I can't go on. Today is the second day of Rosh Hashanah. You can still hear Shofar today. 
I am asking if there are any volunteers that after davening will join with me to help me find this woman so I can rectify my mistake of a day earlier. By now, you would imagine these congregants seeing this new young rabbi think, who did they send us and how normal is this guy? There were a few takers, a few fellows that said, we'll go with you. And we go back after the services are over in the second day to the same condominium, to the same parking lot, and we're walking around and we're looking for a woman that walks with a walker. Nobody there. We start knocking on doors. One door after the next. Do you know a woman that walks with a walker? But then realize she doesn't walk with a walker. Yesterday was the first time she used a walker. Do you know an elderly woman that had surgery? We try that. We're literally going door to door until jackpot. I hit the door. The fellow, an elderly man, answers the door and I say, do you know a woman that had surgery a few weeks ago? She walks with a walker. He says, yeah, you're talking about my wife. Why? What do you want? I was so relieved. I found the condo. I explained. Yesterday, I met her, wished her a refuah shalem. I didn't have a chauffeur, God, Rebbe, all this. I'm trying to explain it all in a nutshell. And he slams the door in my face. He just closes the door. And I say, I know I, know I sound strange to you, but I'm telling you, it's true. I have to blow chauffeur for your wife. Go away from my door. I say, I'm not crazy. I'm not a lunatic. I'm not selling anything. I don't want money. I just need to blow chauffeur for your wife. Go away from the door. And he gets louder and firmer. And I'm getting worried. He's going to call the police on me. I don't know what to do. I realize God's probably really upset at me. And he's saying, there's no second chances. You had one shot at this. You messed up. You failed. You ain't getting a second chance. I don't know what to do. He's yelling at me, go away from the door. I start slowly walking away from the condo. The condo has this back porch and it has these slats of wood that the person sitting inside the porch can actually see a little bit through the slats of wood. And apparently the woman was sitting on this back porch and she sees me walking away and she yells out, is that you, Rabbi, from yesterday, the young guy? I said, it's me, it's me, is that you? It's you. We're talking now through this wall. And I again explain God was listening to you. You must be a holy soul because God heard your prayers and he got you to walk out and I was supposed to carry a chauffeur with me and I messed up, but I'm here to fix it. Can I come in and blow chauffeur? She says, sure, come on in. I said, it's a problem. There's a guy at the door. He doesn't let me in. She says, ignore him. That's my husband. I said, ignore him. He's not letting me. I'll tell him to let you in. Okay. I go back to the door. Husband opens the door for me and runs into his bedroom. I go to the back porch. And again, I explain it. So it's so thrilled. I'm so happy. I have a chance to blow chauffeur. This is what the Rebbe wanted, that every single Jew that you encounter, you find a way to make them feel close, to make them feel part of it. You are as important to the Jewish people as anyone else. And the fact that you couldn't be in shul, God sent me here so I can blow chauffeur for you. I don't know if she thought I was crazy or not. It didn't matter. Please blow the chauffeur. I'm so honored. I'm so touched that you came back to find me. Please. So before I do, I say, the man at the door, your husband, did he hear chauffeur today? She says, no, because I didn't go. He didn't go. Did he hear chauffeur yesterday? No, he didn't go to shul either yesterday. I said, so here, <laughs> I'm going to blow chauffeur. I think I should ask him if he wants to come hear <laughs> the chauffeur. So she says, be my guest. So now I knock on his bedroom door. And he says, what do you want? I said, listen, I'm going to blow the chauffeur for your wife. And I understand that you didn't hear chauffeur either. So you might as well come out and hear the chauffeur. I'm ex expecting to hear some foul language already coming from this man. Instead, he opens the door. And he comes out, and he explains his anger, why he was so upset. 
You see, they have a son. The son used to have a tradition of going once a week and having dinner by them, by his parents' house. Son lived in the valley, parents lived in Westlake, he would come out once a week. The son got involved in Yiddishkeit, became observant, and went kosher. And the son explains to the parents, being that I keep kosher now and you don't, I could no longer come for dinner. He was so hurt by this that when he saw a religious Jew by the door, he let it out on me and he slammed the door in my face. So I tell him, listen, when Yantif is over, you'll give me your son's number. I will call him up and I will teach him. I will explain to him that the laws of honor your father and mother doesn't mean that you have to eat non-kosher. But certainly you could bring a kosher toaster oven or microwave to your parents' house and bring some food and warm it up and have dinner, sit at the table with your parents. We can find a way to make this work. You don't have to stop a beautiful tradition, such a holy mitzvah of honoring your parents. So he was happy with that. I'm about to blow shofar now for him and his wife. And he says, wait, 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 don't blow shofar yet. Why? Points to his head. I need to put a yarmulke on. I can't hear shofar without a yarmulke. So go get one. He runs to his drawer, pulls out a yarmulke, puts it on. I'm about to blow shofar. Wait, what now? My brother doesn't live far from here. He didn't hear shofar today either. I'm going to go call him up and tell him to come over so he can hear shofar. And he's reaching for the phone. Now I have this dilemma. Because on Rosh Hashanah, we're not supposed to use the phone. And I know he's not observant, but at the same time, he's reaching for the phone to use the phone because I'm here in order to blow shofar. So I say, stop. Why? Why should I stop? I want to call my brother. It's a good thing. I said, because you can't really use the phone on Shabbos. I'm not on Yantif. He says, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm going to do it. I say, I know, but we're the same. We're both part of the same Jewish tradition. It doesn't make a difference if it's me or if it's you. It's not, it's not something that's a good idea. He says, okay, no problem. No problem. I'll just drive and get him. I said, well, you can't, you can't exactly do that, do that either. And I'm each time expecting the man to erupt. And he says, I can't do that either. huh?" I said, I have a better idea. You'll give me his address. After I finish blowing chauffeur here, I'll go to his house too. And I'll blow chauffeur for him. And he says, I have a better idea. Let's both of us walk together now and get him and his entire family to walk here. First, so he could visit my wife, who hasn't been out of bed for a few weeks. And then the family together can hear the chauffeur. So the man that slammed the door in my face, literally 10 minutes earlier, that said, get away from this door, is walking with me now to get his brother and his nephews and his nieces and his sister-in-law to hear the chauffeur in Rosh Hashanah. I realized then we are one family. We're one. There's a holiness inside each and every single Jew. It's a matter of finding it. It's a matter of getting through the dust, getting through that which is upsetting to people, getting through some of the misunderstandings that are out there. But when we do and we touch that core, you'll see it. You'll feel it. It's glaring. As a postscript to the story for years and years after this story, that was a stop of mine. That condo became a stop on my way to the lake, on my way to Tashla. And that group grew. They would invite their friends and the Chavura. Literally, there were dozens of people every year to hear Shofar on my way to Tashla. My, my 37 years out here on the front lines has exposed me to the miracle of the Jewish soul. Day in and day out, I get to observe it firsthand. I get to see it. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.